coffee makes my brain work too fast for my mouth to keep up. I don't even know how to help you with this point. It's at the... <laughs> blacklist. That's it. That's the word I was looking for. Birdophilia is on my blacklist. <laughs> Welcome to The Worst Thing We've Read This Week, where we talk about the books that we hate to love and love to hate. I'm Caitlin. And I am a quick-witted leader, otherwise known as Savannah. And welcome back to our podcast. So, weekly disclaimer, we don't hate books and we don't hate authors. We actually love both of them. And so, that's why we will be talking about problematic tropes, characters, funny quotes, things like that. But we do buy a hard copy of the book every week to support the author. Yeah, love what you love and don't be ashamed of it. Um, and since these episodes are not spoiler-free, we wanted to give you guys an updated book list. So we have Restore Me by Tahara Mafi on the 25th of June, and we have The Kissing Booth by Beth Rekels on the 9th of July. I'm <laughs> so excited for that one. That was a hard one to get our hands on. Yeah, I still don't have my hands on it. <laughs> Caitlin, what are you drinking this fine morning? I'm drinking some coffee, some subpar coffee. What are you drinking? <laughs> Um, also coffee. Y'all have seen red wine Savannah, but you've never seen three cups of morning coffee Savannah, and that's gonna be a fun ride. <laughs> Future Savannah? Hey, thanks. So, book summary for this week. Keep in mind this is a sequel, so if you have not read previous episodes, then go back, listen to our other House of Night episodes. Um, to get caught back up, go listen to episode 5, episode 11, and episode 17. And if you're all caught up, then buckle up, motherfuckers, because it's going to be a weird ride today. So, summary of Untamed. Life sucks when your friends are pissed at you. Just ask Zoe Redbird. She's become an expert on suckiness. In one week, she has gone from having three boyfriends to having none, and from having a close group of friends who trusted and supported her to being an outcast. Speaking of friends, of the two Zoe has left, one is undead and one is unmarked. And Neferet has declared war on humans, which Zoe knows in her heart is wrong. But will anyone listen to her? Zoe's adventures at Vampire Finishing School take a wild and dangerous <laughs> turn. As loyalties are tested, shocking true intentions come to light, and an ancient evil is awakened in PC and Kristen Cast's spellbinding fourth House of Night novel. <laughs> were you were you spellbound? Is um, my question. Um, I was. I was feeling some sort of way. <laughs> this <laughs> book made me feel some sort of way. <laughs> uh, as you will all be aware by this point, uh, the whole first half, three quarters of the book is really just nothing happening but emotional drama and recapping everything that's happened previously. So we start off with Zoe, queen of making her friends pissed land Redbird, in her own words, who is a Mary Sue and has all five powers of all of the elements and she uses them all to help her navigate life with her three and a half boyfriends. Also, her friends are mad at her because she let them think that their friend was dead when she wasn't actually dead. And Zoe thinks that they're being incredibly uh, unfair about that. But I would argue they are justifiably angry. I understand them being angry that she didn't tell them that their dead friend is actually not dead. <laughs> but also, there was a lot of slut-shaming going on for a really creepy teacher-student relationship, and that was not as fun or fresh. So, <laughs> but it's okay, because Zoe doesn't need friends. All she needs is to be special. Literally on page two, she's like walking around and she's like, I'm a bit chilly. Fire, come to me. And fire just appears. Do we ever go into how this happens? No. In the last book... And in the summary, we mentioned that Zoe has lost all three of her boyfriends. So we have Heath, her human boyfriend that she had imprinted on, but it was ruined when she had sex with her vampire teacher. And then we have Eric, the really hot, quote-unquote, nice guy that she was dating until she had sex with said vampire teacher, and now he thinks that she's a slut. Uh, and then we have the vampire teacher who was brutally murdered after she had sex with him. Um, so naturally we have to introduce an all new male vampire character and his name is Stark. And Zoe 
upon meeting him, gets very annoyed because he is completely enthralled by Neferet and how gorgeous she is. The House of Night universe dictates that Zoe can never have less than three boyfriends at a time, and she is only at two boyfriends right now. Obviously, this character has been introduced as another love interest, and how dare he not notice that that is his role? Well, she doesn't even have two right now. It's Currently, she's at zero, but then Stark is introduced, and it's like, well, maybe we have another one. But then we get the whole speech, per usual, of Zoe's sworn off boys and sex, so we're not going to have another love interest. And then two pages later, we have another love interest, you know? At least she's okay saying the word sex now, though. I feel like that was very uncomfortable for her in the first book, and so, you know, character growth. So we find out that in order for Stevie Ray to not be the weird undead thing that she was last book when she was eating quote-unquote street people, for some reason Aphrodite had to give up her being a vampire fledgling so that Stevie Ray could become one again. So Aphrodite is now human, but she could still see visions of the future. And she has this vision that Zoe is going to die brutally and... God, I hope so. That actually <laughs> died. <laughs> um, uh, spoiler alert, there's four more books. <laughs> oh, there's more than that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's also somehow in her vision figured out that the reason... So last book, Neferet declares war, the war on humans. Aphrodite sees in her vision that that war on humans begins because Zoe is brutally murdered. So now Zoe needs to stay alive and also save the world because she's not enough of a Mary Sue character. I just want to butt in here to say I did not take half as many notes on the plot as I usually do because it doesn't really start happening until the last like quarter of the book so I didn't care as much so I'm gonna let Caitlin take the lead on like actually relevant things that will give you information about this book I just wanted to point out that the only note I have on the plot really is like 50 pages in when Zoe calls herself the queen of not normal land and I just said Zoe talks to Stevie Ray about a lot of boring stuff Pretty much. And that's, and that's every <laughs> that's every conversation that she has with Stevie yes. Ray. They do it in all of the books where every time they are trying to catch another character up to speed on what's going on, you have to go through the entire explanation all over again every time. Not only are they catching you up on things that happened in previous books, they catch you up on things that literally just happened in this book. Something insignificant will happen. Either Zoe keeps it a secret, or Zoe did it alone. So then, we have to introduce one of her secondary friend characters, who will be like, hey Zoe, what just happened? And she'll be like, let me tell you in great detail everything that happened. One single event is stretched out across 50 pages. And then you're halfway through the book and you're like, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. This whole book takes place over like three days max (laughs) max three days time all of them do and they follow up on each other so like zoe's been in school for what like we're five are we five or four books in we're four four books in in, and it she's been in school for like two weeks (laughs) basically aphrodite is having this like personal crisis because she's human now and she fucking hates humans and zoe trying to prove to aphrodite that she is not just a useless worthless uh, human she calls nix and nix literally just shows up to tell aphrodite i still love you and you're like doesn't vampire jesus have better things to do than come to zoe every time that she needs her like what does she do all day you know we're like 80 pages into this book we met stark and aphrodite had a vision those are the Mm -hmm. only two things that are going on right now Mm -hmm. so naturally we have to introduce a, a new element because this is a book and it has to have a plot, but, um... (laughs) Does it, though? (laughs) Question. Uh, Jury is still out. Do books need plots? (laughs) There's, like, this council meeting that's called. So Zoe and her friends all go since they're, like, part of the dark daughters and sons. And this is where we first meet Shakina, who is, like, the high priestess of all high priestesses. So she's, like, a big deal. And she basically comes in to tell Neferet to fuck off with her whole war on humans thing. <laughs> Shakina's basically like, you didn't think this through. And Neferet 
there was no time. And Shakina says, there's always time for wisdom. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> here's my question. Here's my here's my concern. Imagine that you are a teenager and the principal of your school is an evil murderer. <laughs> and you know this, but nobody else knows this. Also, the principal of your school can read minds. So you can't tell anyone. All of a sudden, the leader of all principals. <laughs> I don't I don't know what the next title of this is called. You have like teacher and then principal the and then I don't know what comes with this. Superintendent, the superintendent of principals, the superintendent of principals shows up and is like, hey, is anyone doing any murdering here? Because I'd like to shut that down. You'd think you would be like, hallelujah, someone to help me. Let me go and share the information that I have about my murderous principal. Is that what Zoe does? No. No, it is not. This isn't necessarily plot related, but they try really hard in this book to make it seem like vampires are an oppressed group of people. It just seems in poor taste, you know? And maybe it's just in light of what's going on right now. Right, well, and no one has ever tried to attack them. People are just afraid of them because they are beautiful and perfect and control the elements and have all of the creative positions earning a lot of money in the world like that sounds really hard we just got done moving the plot along slightly where shakina and neferet were arguing so now that we we definitely need to balance this out with some good old-fashioned drama and zoe's friends have decided to forgive her for keeping their dead friend who's not dead a secret from them so there she she's now forgiven and shawnee says actually when you're done with your grief and whatnot from mourning her uh ex-lover who is murdered uh we'd still really like to hear the lauren details don't count on it i said and then damien says give the girl some privacy the lauren thing was very traumatic for her what with the imprint and loss of virginity and eric and i was like and also fucking lauren was murdered yesterday like (laughs) you want to hear about how she had sex with her teacher and he was fucking murdered yesterday (laughs) come on now people after she found out that he was using her because he was actually like there's so much wrong with this situation her friends are like give us the juicy details (laughs) okay so now we're moving on to uh my favorite part of any of these books ever (laughs) as we mentioned we had a new love interest introduced his name is stark and they fall on they fall in insta love and they are they somehow become so close in such a short amount of time that stark decides that zoe is trustworthy enough for him to tell her that he accidentally murdered his mentor he's basically really good at archery and he's like gift that was given to him when he turned into a fledgling is he um can't ever miss his mark so he like they were at a competition he really wanted to hit his mark and beat his mentor and he shot his arrow and somehow the arrow killed his mentor mind you when we say short amount of time they are in the midst of the first conversation they've ever had with each other (laughs) This yeah, they met. It's been met like five months. minutes. This is the first time <laughs> first dates be like, "Hey, just so you know, I murdered my teacher." Like, I guess we can, let's get it all out of the way now. I guess I don't know. Stark is like the guy that you found whose hinge profile was like on our first date. Let's work through our childhood trauma together. <laughs> hundred <laughs> percent. And that's real. I really did find someone who said that he wanted to work through childhood trauma together on a first date. And I was like, no, thank you. I like to keep my childhood trauma inside of me. <laughs> deep, deep under the emotion rug. <laughs> and like in the middle of this conversation, because again, we it's insta-love. And they're talking and without actually thinking about it, I lifted my hand and rested it on his shoulder. I'm not even sure now why I touched him. Maybe it was because he looked like he needed the touch of another person. And maybe it was because, despite his admission and the danger he represented, I was still drawn to him. 
because romance. He's like, Zoe, I don't want this to turn you off, but I'm a murderer. And she's like, you know what? That's actually kind of hot. Can I touch your shoulder? And then at some point he brings up, for some reason, Eric gets brought up in the conversation. And she's like, I seriously didn't want to think about Eric while I was feeling so attracted to Stark. And I was like, yet another instance where Eric's existence was inconvenient to her trying to get it on with some random dude. (laughs) Like, just ditch Eric already, fam. They're, like, wrapping up their conversation, and as I started to leave, he caught my wrist and let my hand slide down so his fingers twined through mine. Hey, he said softly, thanks for not freaking out about what I just told you. (laughs) Thanks for not freaking out about the murder. (laughs) Smiled up at him. Sadly, with the kind of week I've been having, your weird gift seems almost normal. Sadly, that's good to hear. And then he lifted my hand and kissed it. Just like that. Just like he kissed girls' hands every day. (laughs) I don't think I want to date someone who's comfortable kissing hands. I feel weird about that. And then directly after that moment, Stark starts to die. He starts rejecting the change and he's coughing up blood and all that good shit. And he keep saying things like i don't want this to happen now i just found you i don't want to leave you so soon again this is their first conversation um i should have kissed more than just your hand i thought i'd had more time it's too late now and then she says it's not too late i bent and pressed my lips to his stark's arms went around me Strong enough to hold me tight, my tears mixed with his blood and the kiss was absolutely wonderful, wonderful and terrible over too soon. His lips broke from mine, turned his head, and coughed his life's blood onto the ground. So, like, they're making out. Mind you, he coughed up blood before this. So, like, her mouth is completely bloody from making out with this guy. I don't want to make out. It's not too late. Quick, kiss me before you're dead and then it gets weird. And then he vomits blood directly after. And then they make out <laughs> again after mouth. that. Like, yeah, it's like a fountain of blood just spewing. I so hate then, that. then, of course, after you have your weird bloody makeout, he's like, promise me two things. And you're like, what? And she's like, yeah, of course. Anything for you, Stark, the love of my life that I met today. Um, <laughs> he wants her to promise that she won't forget him and promise that she will take care of his dog. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> Zoe's going to so- have a complex. All of her sexy times with boys keep ending with them dying he says keep dutch that's his dog safe for me if i can i'll come back for her and for you his words ran out in a red river of blood hemorrhaging from his mouth eyes nose and ears (laughs) uncomfy and like basically at the end of this i was just like i love how this man's brutal awful gruesome death somehow became about zoe because they fell in insta love like the whole thing just is like stark i just found you i can't lose you yet and it's like uh, yeah because his entire life now boils down to the fact that he met zoe Uh uh-huh this leads into savannah's next point but just like something i wanted to mention Another thing that they do to try and make the vampire seem oppressed is, like, Zoe encounters these Catholic nuns and is completely shocked that they accept vampire fledglings and don't think that they are, like, the demons of the earth. And it's, I, I don't know. It's just, I didn't like it. Persecuted. Go ahead. It was very condescending, it felt like. Because... Like, we have not had any sort of... There was no nuance in the past books because you just have the people of faith who are these evil religious tyrants, and then you have the vampires who follow Nyx, who's obviously the correct religious path because she exists. So this book, I was like, okay, at least we're introducing some sort of middle ground because you have the nuns who are religious, but they also are supportive of Zoe and they're like, yeah, Zoe goes to work with their, uh, they have a a stray cat uh, adoption 
shelter. Shelter. So they have a cat shelter, and Zoe's like, we're going to come and volunteer and help out, and that'll be a good thing for the school so that we can kind of network with humans. Like Caitlin said, she shows up, and the nuns are like, oh, great, we would love that. And she's like, well, we're vampires, so are you sure? And they're like, yeah, that's fine with us. And she's like, anyone who wants to volunteer, are you sure you don't want to be a religious bigot right now? (laughs) Like, (laughs) and it's like, I'm glad that we have the this like gray middle area showing that not all people who have faith are evil (laughs) but at the same time it's very condescending and the nuns are kind of like well these are where our beliefs cross over with yours because all religious beliefs are very similar spoiler alert and zoe's just like oh it's so cute that this is what they believe but really i'm a i'm a 16 year old who's been blessed by the goddess and i will show them what they're missing like I don't know. It just felt kind of gross. Yeah. And I'm an atheist, yep. so. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that might be a bit uncomfy for <laughs> some people. This is a side No, <laughs> But you saying that I'm an atheist just, like, took me back to this party I went to a while back where... I was drunk and this drug girl came up to me. We were like sitting in like Mm -hmm. a group of people and she comes up and said something along the lines of like, well, we're all children of God or something like that. (laughs) As we're we're all getting shit faced at this party. And I go, well, I'm an atheist. So (laughs) (laughs) this girl's face was just so. (laughs) And I like to be an asshole, but also like children of God. What are you talking about? I'm a child of Satan, excuse you. I communicate with him through psychics all the time. Yeah, Satan told me I was going to be single for four years, so. You know what Satan told me? Fucking. Oh, yeah, let's talk about Satan real quick. Great. So I work Saturday nights, late into the evening. We get some weird callers. This man calls me last night. I thought he was asking me, like, if I was a recording, because he kept saying, like, you're a, like, messaging system or something like that and i've had people tell me while i'm talking on my on the phone that i sound like one of the recordings because i have my kind of like formal voice that i'll put on and they're like oh we thought you were the machine and so he had me like he kept making me say a couple he was like we'll say like hi gary so i thought his name was gary this was the first weird thing his voice kept like switching between a normal man voice and a demon from hell voice And it was like, it would get really deep and it sounded like it was going through a voice changer, like to the point where I thought that there might be a second person on the line. He won't tell, I'm trying to figure out if he has an account. I was like, I can get you over to a supervisor if you'd feel more comfortable speaking with them. And he was like, okay, transfer him over to the supervisor. Everything is fine. So then I get another call about 10 minutes later, same guy. He starts going through his whole spiel again, and I'm like, listen, I think I just talked to you. I got you over to a supervisor. Were you not able to resolve your concerns with them? And he was like, no, what's your, give me your name then. I was like, my name is Savannah. (laughs) He's like, give me your name and your address. And what's your brother's name? And I was like, (laughs) no, I was like, not giving you my personal information. And he was like, why are you scared of what I'll find? And I was like, okay, this is getting strange. I was like, if you don't have any questions about your account, then I can't help you and I'm going to have to hang up. And in his creepy voice, he goes, don't hang up. And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. I was like, well, do you have an account with us? Is there something I can help you with? And he was like, you keep calling me. You called me this morning from the hair salon when your hair was wet and short. I literally had just that morning got my hair cut short. So at that point, I have like creepy chills going down my back, and I'm I like, know, of course "You do." Of I was like, "Um, we're going in circles here, so I'm just going to disconnect the line." And then, in the scariest voice I've ever heard, he goes, "No," <laughs> and I fucking slammed the hang up button. I was like, "We are not fucking with demons tonight," <laughs> but like. What the what fuck, the man? Fuck? <laughs> yeah, similar yeah. similar vibes to my reading from Satan and mm-hmm. uh, the weird messages that she had sent me about how <laughs> she was sorry that she led me astray. Yeah. Um, I can't remember which episode that's in, so if you are, don't know what we're talking about, go listen to all of them. 
Okay, so we've introduced the nuns, and as dangerous as it seems to be for all of the vampire fledglings to leave the House of Night, um, Zoe leaves with Aphrodite to go and get a burger, and (laughs) they are sitting there eating when Heath walks in. Zoe's like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. Our imprint broke, and how do I know what our relationship's going to be like? And, I mean, you find out it was a very painful breaking for Heath, Um, so he's pretty pissed off at Zoe. Well, and on top of all of that, they have, like, this really awkward conversation about how the imprint broke, and Zoe ends up telling Heath that she had not one, not two, but three boyfriends at the time, and he basically tells her, do you know how painful it was for me when the imprint broke? Like, it broke, I felt you doing things with someone else and now I want to kill myself is basically how it ended. (laughs) So he was basically like astral projecting himself to her sexy times with Lauren. Right. (laughs) Remember that time that she astral projected herself to him masturbating to thoughts of her? Who comes up with this shit? (laughs) Oh, Oh, this is this is this a mother daughter duo. This is one hundred percent a side note, but also keep in mind that PC Cast is a high school teacher and dedicates these books to her students who read these books. Her students there want like, to be in these books. There are student teacher relationships in these books. How the fuck do you explain that? You know, speaking of teachers, uh, let's talk about how Eric became a professor at the House of Night. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because, of course, we've got to bring him back. Because there's got to be some, like, question. Like, Stark is the true love, but he's dead. And, like, Eric is the (laughs) old true love, but, like, he hates her. And, you know, he... I thought that he fucked off into oblivion after the whole conversation, but Caitlin no. has assured me he has not, so he is not, don't he worry. He's not finished. They always come back. <laughs> don't let them fool you. <laughs> so Eric pops up, and obviously, because this is a YA novel, we have to have some sort of classical reference. We've already ruined Wuthering Heights, Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice. Um, anything else? Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. That was already ruined. I hate that right. one. Right. Um, um, no, I feel like there's more. There's probably more. It's not an exhaustive list, but you've got to have your your requisite classic reference. Yes. So yep. this book, we get Othello, which, you know what? Bonus points for creativity. I was not expecting Othello in the my second vampire Othello, I was like, wait, <laughs> what? I was like, did I read this in high school? Yes. Was I expecting to find it here? Absolutely not. Basically, Eric is running their theater class. And so Zoe obviously has to be in his class for dramatic effect. And he calls her up to improv the scene with him. (laughs) It's, oh my fucking God. And Eric improvs Shakespeare in a fun and sexy way in which (laughs) he starts screaming about his relationship with Zoe as they're acting out the scene where Othello strangles Desdemona, (laughs) which is all you need to know if you don't know the play that we're talking about. Othello strangles his lover Desdemona because he's worried that she cheated on him. He full-blown kisses her in front of the entire class. This is her teacher now. They start out by reading it and then he's like, let's translate this into modern English. (laughs) Which you know is you just... (laughs) naturally and easily translate Othello into modern day English. Like, whatever. Which turns into him telling her that she lied to him and that it's too late. And she goes, it doesn't have to be too late. Forgive me and give me another chance. Don't let us end like this. My favorite. And then, then all of a sudden, I watched as several emotions played across Eric's face. I could easily see anger and even hatred, but there was also sadness. Maybe, just maybe, what looked like hope waiting quietly way back in the warm summer sky blue part of his eyes. Then all of a sudden, the sadness and hope flatten from his expression. No, you acted like a slut, so now you get a slut's reward. <laughs> With a seriously crazy look in his eyes, he seemed to grow even taller until he towered over me. He stepped closer, taking one hand from my throat so he could use that arm to hold me against him. His other hand was big enough that it reached almost all the way around my neck. And then he starts strangling her, and then they make out, and then the bell rings. No, 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 and then the next the next line is, as he squeezed, our bodies were pressed together, and I felt a wild rush of white hot desire for him. 
<laughs> and then they make out. And then the bell rings. In front of the entire class. And as they're leaving, the class is like, wow, that was so hot and so sexy. And I'm like, that's her fucking teacher. <laughs> Slash ex-boyfriend. <laughs> At least he's her. How much? He's like a couple years older than them, right? Uh, I think he's, I think he's like two years older at most, yeah. but. So less creepy like, than Lauren, still but, creepy. Zoe overhears a conversation later on between Shakina and Neferet talking about Lauren and Zoe's relationship. And Shakina is like, you know that as soon as you found out about Lauren and Zoe, you should have contacted me basically to shut like that down. Like a good superintendent of principals. Right. So like, even though they used to date like it is so not like he just started as a new teacher and he's gonna make out with zoe in front of his entire class how are you how do you explain that away and he doesn't get in trouble for it anyways i'm upset she just has a thing for men in authoritative positions but that's all now we're gonna skip to my favorite part because it mixes mythology folklore sexism and graphic assault scenes so that's fun mind you when i was reading there was one point where i was because caitlin's read the series before so there's one point where i was talking to caitlin on the phone and she just starts laughing hysterically and she's like have they introduced the raven mockers yet and i was like the what (laughs) and then as i kept reading i realized that the words she said were raven mockers and yes they are introduced in this book for your listening pleasure so throughout the book every time they started dropping hints about things i've been waiting to happen like i've been i've been checking off uh like plot points as we go (laughs) along like waiting for crazy things to happen let me just say this listeners we will get birdophilia in this series and i cannot wait that's my least favorite thing Out of all of the things that exist in the world, that's my least favorite thing. Besides, like, like we thought racism and homophobia. Yeah, yeah, those are pretty bad. Those are also bad. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, police brutality. But besides that, Birdophilia is the next on the list. We thought that the Shatter Me series was bad. That's all. I'm going to leave that there. Just let that sink in. With the Raven Mockers. Great. So, Aphrodite has a prophecy. She writes the prophecy. Zoe finds out it's in her grandmother's handwriting. So they're doing some investigation and trying to get some information about what this, what story this prophecy is telling. And so they call Zoe's grandma. They're like, hey, got this weird prophecy. You think you could tell us about it? They discover that it is telling the story of Kelowna and the Raven Mockers. Um, her grandma says, we call him and his twisted offspring demons, but that's not really accurate. I guess the best way I can describe Kelowna is as an angel. In ancient times, angels walked the earth and mated with humans. Many people have stories to describe this time. The Bible called them Nephilim. The Greeks and Romans called them Olympian gods. But whatever they've been called, all of the stories agree on two points. First, they were beautiful and powerful. Second, that they mated with humans. So as I'm reading this first part, I'm like, this is actually really interesting and kind of cool world building. Like, I've never seen anyone stick the Nephilim and Olympian gods in the same category and say, like, these were all stories explaining similar things. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool. <laughs> well, and you also get the um, the Cherokee beliefs in there, too. Right. So, like, you have, like, all three kind of coming together. To- right. And the main focus is on these Cherokee beliefs as in, like, this is actually right. what was going on, which is really cool. Um, and also, I'm just a slut for folklore, so... I was like, great, this is my jam. So the Cherokee people tell of one particular angel, beautiful beyond compare. He had wings the color of night. He could change into an enormous raven. Um, At first, our people welcomed him as a visiting god. We sang songs to him and danced for him. Our crops thrived. Our women were fertile. But gradually, everything changed. Um, And basically, she says that Kelowna changed when he began to lie with the maidens of the tribe. The story goes that after the first time he bedded a maiden, he became obsessed. He had to have women. He craved them constantly and hated them for causing the lust and need he felt for them. Aphrodite's response. I bet it was him feeling that lust, not them. No one wants a guy who's a man-ho no matter how hot he is. (laughs) That's a good thing to take away from that story, Aphrodite. Moving right along. (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about how he's raping and pillaging these women and, uh... 
impregnating them with his weird children that we'll talk about in a second. But like, yeah, sure. Let's talk about how Kelowna's a slut instead. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the whatever. focus. Uh huh. And then she says the women he raped became pregnant, but most of them gave birth to dead things, unrecognizable as infants of any species. But once in a while, one of his offspring would live, though it was clearly not human. The children were ravens with the eyes and limbs of a man. I just want to say that I read this and, as I mentioned, we'll get to birdophilia. But I was trying to, like, picture in my head what these things actually look Mm -hmm. like. Because we have characters that are introduced that are these Nephilim. And it's, like, very unnerving pictures. I hate it. I don't like it at all. We will be posting some on Instagram. (laughs) I didn't look them up on purpose because I was like, someone somewhere, this series is big enough that someone somewhere has drawn a picture and I don't want to see it. Oh, yeah. There's some online. It's what you would expect because they they have, like, human arms and legs and then they have, like, claw hands. There's a description later and I'm going to pull it in now because I think it's relevant. I felt a stab of raw fear as I looked directly into the hideous face of a gigantic blackbird with terrible glowing red eyes shaped like a man's. The creature was clinging to the outside of my window with arms and legs that were human. Its dangerously hooked black beak opened showing a forked red tongue. That is the most terrifying thing I have ever pictured in my entire life. Is this more or less ta- terrifying than the spiders from Ooh. finale? Mm. Ooh. <laughs> uh, like, I hate the spiders just because spiders, but I'm just imagining, like, this big, like, evil crow man, like, clinging to the outside of a building so it, like, crawls up the sides of buildings. If she was trying to creep readers out, she did a good job. Good job. These things are terrifying. Moving forward, we'll come back to these, but um, they have lost their bodies. They only have their spirits left and they can't hurt people unless they're near death. Here's the the one thing I was going to follow up with folklore. Ancient folklore has a lot of rape and a lot of... Um, the sexism is kind of more of a more recent thing. It wasn't always there, but um, like there's a lot of violence and sexual assault and things like that in folklore that's familiar but do we know if this is an actual story um when i looked up raven mockers mm-hmm. um it was a thing okay. like it was part of mythology i don't know if Kelowna is part of mythology that's all i was going to say is like ooh, this is jarring but also if we're referencing a real myth it does sound like a real myth because that's a pretty right. common theme so um sure my favorite part is how <laughs> they defeat him by creating a trap made of earth for his dick. And now he is <laughs> trapped dick first underground. And also that it's a warning that Kelowna is about to return. So, you know, we're 220 pages in and we're finally getting to the plot. <laughs> now that we have a plot, we can finally get characters involved that are not Zoe and her friends. <laughs> so... She references, hey, remember all those other dead kids? Her friends nod. Nasty Elliot and Elizabeth, no last name, and, well, some other kids, too. (laughs) That's literally all the development we get for characters who are not Zoe and her friends. Zoe and her friends who can apparently astral project now? Like, Zoe's in trouble because one of the spirits of the Raven Mockers shows up and they're like, we're casting our elements towards you and sending you our support. And I'm like, is this like a Patronus now where they can like send it to rescue people? Like none of this is ever explained at all. They, that's happened before though in these books. So then Zoe invites her grandma over to the school for a sleepover because she's worried that the Raven mockers are going to go after her. So that's totally normal thing for grandmas to do apparently so naturally grandma is like you know what i know you brought me here for my safety but like i need to do some errands so like while you sleep i'm a i'm a go do that and then zoe gets waking up in the middle of the afternoon but it's the middle of the night for her and aphrodite and nephora and shakina are like hey your grandma got in like a really horrible accident 
because she was attacked by what onlookers think was a raven and she's in the ICU right now and you should probably go take care of that. So grandma got ran over by a weird raven man. Zoe has to go to the hospital to make sure that she's okay and Zoe obviously can't stay at the hospital forever because inevitably she has to cast a circle because we have to cast at least four of those every book. I was waiting for it. And like... She has to, she decides to leave her grandma in the hands of one of the nuns that she met earlier at the Street Cats charity. And she decides that she needs to tell the nun literally everything, even though Zoe is the most secretive person I've ever met. But she tells this nun everything and whatever. The nun stays and watches her grandma and they go back to school to cast this circle. If you're feeling like this ending was very abrupt, um, you're not wrong. (laughs) It's like nothing happens and then everything happens. Mm -hmm. And basically in the middle of this circle, Neferet announces that she is this, uh, it's called the Queen Sigili, Asai Sigili, which is basically like really evil Cherokee witches And the prophecy states that they had heard earlier, the prophecy states that um, the Sai Sigili will play a part in freeing Kelowna from his dick clay caged (laughs) prison. So she announces that she is this Cherokee witch. And I was just like, I just want to understand how Neferet, the white vampire with no Cherokee heritage that we know of, is somehow a Cherokee witch. Like, I don't. You do you just get to choose to be a thing now? I guess. Like, I have no connections to the Cherokee Native Americans, but now suddenly I can channel Cherokee power. Like, what? So. Anyways, she frees Kelowna, Zoe and her friends flee, but before fleeing, they announce to the world that Stevie Ray, the weird red dead vampire, is not dead. And Stark and pops out of the alive. ground. Oh yeah, and Stark's alive now. <laughs> the power of his Stark's love is him back. He's <laughs> also a, a, a red vampire, and they all run away together and hide in the tunnels Mm -hmm. because Kelowna can't go underground he hates being underground because he has some PTSD from when he was he and his dick were trapped trapped underground Uh which you know was understandable (laughs) that's the plot in a nutshell my favorite thing to look for while I'm reading (laughs) is just to look for all of the instances of gay people being described in offensive ways (laughs) Or portrayed in offensive ways. Um, So I would now, we would now like to take you on a tour about things we have learned about gay people from these books. Like, for example, Zoe can't just use the phrase kiss and make up in reference to her friends. She would never literally do that because she's definitely not a lesbian. And Zoe just really wants you to know that, like, she supports gay people, but, like, she herself is not, in fact, gay. I think she said that at least once every single book so far. Yeah. Me thinks the lady doth protest too much. (laughs) Yep. Um, On page six, we get Zoe trying to reconcile with her friends. And she says, sadly, it was the twins who answered me and not gay and therefore more sensitive and polite Damien. Did you know that gays are more sensitive and polite (laughs) than normal people? Everyone is homophobic until proven woke, according to Zoe and her friends. Whenever they introduce a new character, and whenever they introduce that new character to Damien and his boyfriend Jack, she has to give a little aside where she's like, Jack and Damien are together. Hello, they're gay. My friends and I, along with anyone who's not narrow-minded and utterly judgmental, are cool with that. Like, are you expecting the reader to have a problem? She's speaking to the reader as she introduces them to us. Like, are you expecting that all of your readers are homophobic? And it happens again on page 21 when they're actually introducing Stark. And she's like, 
Stark, this is Jack. He's Damien's boyfriend. I decided to get the introductions and the possible, oh no, he's an F-word issues out of the way. Like, I'm sorry, if you're going to drop, but she actually says the word, like, if you're going to drop homophobic slurs in your book, maybe you are not LGBTQ friendly. I don't know. That's just my feeling. <laughs> like, they just expect everybody to be a homophobe. Fun education point, in case anyone was not aware, um, in this book, Damien describes himself as, <laughs> Jack and I will pretend like we're much more butch than we are and come escort you back. And Zoe responds, oh, please, you aren't what I'd call swishy and fluttery. Well, I'm not, but Jack is. Butch is a word for lesbians, not a word for gay men. This has been a public service announcement from Savannah. <laughs> Zoe is talking to Stevie Ray about basically telling the world that Stevie Ray is still alive. And Zoe says, what if we didn't hide you? What if we outed you instead? And Stevie Ray says, Zoe, I love Damien and all, but I'm really not gay. I mean, I haven't had an official boyfriend in a really long time, but I still kind of get warm and tingly when I think about how cute Drew Pertain is. Do you remember how he was liking me before I got all dead and crazy? <laughs> It's just like every time they intentionally put in all of these ambiguous moments where it's like in reference to gay people uh -huh. or coming out as gay and everyone has to reassure everyone else. I'm not gay, but I'm okay if you are, you know? <laughs> right. And I'm already exhausted. I don't want to be friends with any of them. And I hope that Damien and Jack find new friends. <laughs> At least we're not making Damien into a predator this book. That was a fun theme through the first two. There's another instance where they're talking about how something is not normal, and Shawnee says, it's totally queer. And she doesn't mean in the gay sense, Aaron input. Like, uh, And then they keep why? saying the word queer in a weird way and winking at Damien, and I'm like, I am uncomfortable. <laughs> why? Later in, this, later in the book, Zoe describes Jack. She's He bursts into the room, and he's like, Oh my god, is your grandma okay? I was so upset when I heard. Jack burst in like a little gay tornado into my dorm room. I hysterically laughed when I read what that line. What does a gay tornado look like? First of all, what are the characteristics you know, a of a gay tornado? I am going oh, to know. start referring to all of the straight characters as straight. Straight Zoe yeah. did this, and then straight Shawnee did this, and then straight Eric popped out of nowhere. In this next scene, we have um, Jack and straight Zoe interacting <laughs> together, and Jack didn't tell Zoe, I'm sorry, didn't tell straight Zoe something, so straight Zoe got really pissed. She gets a little bit upset where she's basically like, you should have told me this thing, and Jack is like, oh, I didn't even think about it, and then he like, starts to cry <laughs> over this minor argument because you know the gays the overly sensitive and emotional gays yes now we move into our assorted slut shaming slash sexism slash classism slash racism slash ableism yes, section we of just <laughs> all of the instances of offensive language Take this as me starting a petition to stop using offensive language for the sake of quote-unquote comedy. I am so tired of people trying to make comedic points by putting down another group of people. Mm -hmm. Let's not do that, guys. Yes. Anyways. Oh, right here, I would like to point out, I know that we have referenced <laughs> the Penumbra podcast in the past because I'm obsessed with it. I'm trying to get Kate obsessed with it, too, but... I thought that they made a very relevant point. I was listening to some of the commentary and they were talking about tropes and trying to, um, and how a lot of old comedy tropes were based off of slut shaming, sexism, classism, racism, ableism. <laughs> and one of those tropes is like having the crony of the evil person just be depicted as having special needs. And they were like, we just wanted to not do that. So instead we created this villain who's just very sleepy all the time and is just very tired. So you get like a similar effect, but you're not ostracizing this entire group of people because it's not funny. Um, so it is possible. It is possible to have comedy without all of these things. Just not in this series yet. <laughs> well, and it's very... It's very different to make fun of a group in power. Mm -hmm. It's very different to make fun of people oh, yeah. who have power. 
versus minority groups or people who don't have or like underrepresented in communities, et cetera, et cetera. It's a very different right. to punch up than it is to punch down. Yes. I like that. Yes. Obviously, we have to start out with letting you know that Shawnee is black. She is a caramel-colored Jamaican-American. They, She is friends with Aaron, who is white. She is gorgeous and blonde. It's like genetics and geography never existed. Also, theme throughout this entire book that we'll reference back to, Aphrodite starts dating this guy in a completely normal way, and everything is really overly sexualized about it. Like, uh, well, okay, let's preface a little <laughs> bit by saying that the boy she starts dating, his name is Darius, and he's basically, like, a guard of the House of Night. Yes. So he is significantly older than her. Oh, is he? I thought that they were just other, like, male students who were, like, training to become, like... No, no, Because no, they're no. the... What do no, they call no, them? No. They call them the Sons of Erebus. I thought they were, like, that was the male equivalent of, like... Nope. <laughs> they are hired guards... Well, they're... Uh, yeah, I, they're, they're guards that are supposed to help protect the vampires. Darius is, like... When I say significantly older, like, he's probably in his 20s. I'd say, like, mid to late 20s. Right, but they're but 16. Like, remember, these are 16-year-old girls. Yeah. Cool. So, anyways, continue. So, Aphrodite has a slightly creepy relationship with an older man, and it's overly sexualized. Really, like, those <laughs> um, She's thanking him for walking her to the dining hall, and she's, like... And since you'll be stationed at the door of our dorm, that is definitely the most safe and attractive place to be. She practically purred at him. Gee, she was stank. By a few pages later, I have a running counter going for how many times Aphrodite is called a hag, ho, or witch. I think I stopped counting at like 11 or something, and I was only halfway through the book. Going along with that, uh, after Darius drops her off at the dining hall... She comes and sits down with Zoe and her friends, and Aaron asks, what the hell are you doing, Aphrodite? And she says, eating, moron. And Shawnee says, this is a no-ho zone. <laughs> and Aaron says, yeah, it's posted back there. No-ho zone. This is mm -hmm. a no-ho zone. Mm -hmm. There was a sign back there. <laughs> this one is actually repeated twice, so you know that they're real yep. proud of this line. Well, shit, yep. slap me and call me impaired, twin. Jackie's right, Aaron said, and she says it again a second time later. For PC's name being PC, she sure is not very PC. <laughs> so waiting for that one. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> um, A couple pages later, Zoe is standing in front of of the big oak door like a special needs slash special services student. Oh, here's another one that's repeated twice. Um, you are as slow as a fat kid on crutches, Aphrodite tells Zoe multiple times. And we also have the recurrence of the term street people. Stop eating street people, Stevie Ray. We can't let those kids eat people. Not even street people. And then she follows it up by saying, Stevie Ray, honey, let me be clear that I'm not judging, but you didn't eat a street person or anything like that after you caught on fire, did you? I'm not going to give context for the caught on fire thing, but like, you should fucking judge your friend if they ate a person. Are you kidding me? And I would judge you if you ate a person. We have the, when we get introduced to Shakina, she's introduced as uh, her skin was the color of rich, well-polished, dark wood like mahogany. <laughs> it's either coffee or wood. That's the yeah. only descriptions I've seen so far. Then we just are reminded that we really are in a fantasy land. <laughs> this is not real. But Neferet's like, what, you want us to, like, call the human police and ask them to catch the human murders so they can be taken before a human court? Like, scoffing. And Shakina's like, what, are you so sure that you're not going to find justice with these humans that you're willing to start a war? And Zoe pipes up, I know an honest human cop, right after describing, wow, this cop I met had been incredible. He knew that I was lying and made up a story about a street person abducting Heath and killing the two other human kids, and he still backed me up and lied to the other cops about it. And then he said that he didn't hate vamps, and he was a senior homicide detective, so he listened to me, a 16-year-old vampire, making up stories about these murders and decided to spread those instead of the truth. He's great. 
And yet another instance of trying to show that the vampires are a oppressed group of people by insinuating that they cannot trust the human police. And it's, spoiler alert, you can't trust the human police. <laughs> a little bit different context since we now know that Aphrodite's relationship is creepy. But um, Stevie Ray and Zoe definitely over-sexualize it. Like... Aphrodite's like, okay, cool. Darius and I are going to go look at these cats. Like, you go talk to Stevie Ray. And she's trying to keep him away from Stevie Ray. To be fair, though, Aphrodite also hypersexualizes her weird relationship with this oh, guy. Yeah. So it starts when Aphrodite's like going off to look at cats with this guy. Or no, Zoe's like, don't worry. There are two more nuns back in the cat room with Aphrodite and the son of Erebus she's keeping busy with some seriously disgusting flirting. And Stevie Ray says, Black, Aphrodite and her flirting is so nasty, but more importantly, nuns. And then when they re-enter the room to go and meet back up with Aphrodite, they're like, there were no nuns around, but sure enough, Aphrodite and Darius were sitting over in the quote-unquote playground for cats corner, snuggled together like lovers with their backs turned to me. They were doing something, ugh, with their hands. Actually, it looked like they were doing a lot of something with their hands. <laughs> Double ugh. I cleared my throat dramatically. They're literally holding a cat. They're holding a cat and playing with a cat. <laughs> to be fair, Aphrodite was masturbating at the last circle in front of the entire school. <laughs> so... Yeah, uh, book one was wild. <laughs> the last one I've got is when Zoe is ordering a burger and Heath walks in with this girl and Zoe notes that he was carrying a tray filled with his favorite combo meal along with a tiny kid's meal. You know, one of those meals that girls get when they're on a date so they look like they don't eat much and then they go home and snarf down the refrigerator when they're alone. That was a very specific scenario, first of all. Second of all, fuck that. We get it because they have the fun little toys inside, and I like collecting them. And you can get two meals, and then you get two toys, and it's fine. So sit the fuck down, Zoe. Also, kids' meals are, for the most part, pretty filling. Right. Like, calm down, you Zoe. You get a burger, you get the fries, you get a dessert. You get the you get a drink. Fun, you get yeah. You get the fun little plastic toys. You get like a, a little apple pouch, and you can dip it in caramel. Those things are good. So something we didn't mention earlier because it really wasn't important, but they decided to install a nanny cam in this room where Stark was laying dead, so that they could like watch him hopefully wake up and become a red vampire. But not in a creepy way. And. They need Jack, you know, Damien's gay lover, they need him to help set up the nanny cam. And Aphrodite is like, oh, like, do you know what this is? And Jack is like, I saw that on Dr. Phil the other day. God, it was just awful. Some horrid, and may I say fat, poorly dressed nanny was caught by one of them shaking the crap out of some little kid. And I was like, Jack, you are the only likable character. <laughs> They just decimated you. How unfortunate. Oh, no. And they're explaining the other undead children. Aphrodite and uh, Zoe are explaining the other un undead children to the rest of their friends. Zoe calls them gross because they, like, eat people and they smell really bad. And so, and Aphrodite says, they are. They're like, she paused and then her eyes lit up. They're like blue collar workers. Ish. I think we have covered most everything except our random quotes that were funny and ridiculous um, that we're going to stick into our rapid fire here. Thank you for that lovely commentary. And now I'll try asking someone who doesn't have to answer in a stereo version of hateful gossip girl Blair. Oh, whatever. She twitched to the salad bar. <laughs> Further cementing Shawnee and Eric or Shawnee and Aaron as the creepiest characters in the book but on to a much more important topic aaron said yeah the new hottie shawnee said check out his butt aaron said i wish he'd sag them jeans a little so i could get a better look shawnee said twin sagging is seriously lame it's so cliched gang wannabe circa 1990s hotties should just say no to it aaron said um, also directly following that, Shawnee says, Aphrodite makes us understand why women have drowned their babies. My favorite quote in the entire book. 
Aphrodite leaned over and whispered, that's eight, the leader of the Sons of Erebus. Darius told me he was coming in today. He's one hunk of a guy, isn't he? Before I could answer that he was more like several hunks of many large guys. <laughs> the back door opened. Also, his name is eight and he is several hunks of many large guys. <laughs> But like it's not it's not eight like the number eight it's like A T E his name is eight I'm just getting a lot of like cannibal vibes from this passage you know Jeesh <laughs> stress Jeesh I really needed to do some yoga or whatnot probably more whatnot than yoga everyone plays bets on what the whatnot is is it sex is it no she's sworn off oh, sex well what is it then what is the whatnot I don't know I don't know um. <laughs> My eyes went back to Stark, and I realized what hot, hot guy scale he should be on. The bad boy hot scale. Didn't look like I was going to get the distraction either. What it looked like I was going to get was typical for me. More trouble and stress and probably a nice dose of raging diarrhea. There seemed to be five blondes for every normal kid. <laughs> um, also, just a fun note, Aphrodite has a Tiffany lamp, which originates from my great, great, lots of greats uncle, who did not want to follow the family jewelry company, and he was like, no, fuck that, I'm going to be an artist and do art with glass things. And then he did stained glass, and now we have a fun fake poster board with a picture of stained glass in a picture frame at the bottom of our basement stairs at my mom's house, and a plastic Tiffany lamp. And that's been our inheritance. Super fun. <laughs> Aphrodite and Zoe walk into the hospital to go see her grandma, and Aphrodite's, like, telling her where she needs to go and what she needs to say and stuff, and Zoe asks her how she knows all of this, and Aphrodite says, my dad OD'd twice and ended up here, and Zoe says, really? And Aphrodite says, wouldn't you OD if you were married to my mom? And I was like, <laughs> first of all, that's too much to unpack, I'm not even gonna try, but, like, your father is the fucking mayor of Tulsa. I forgot and about no that until you heard it. twice. I was just like, oh yeah, her dad, he OD'd twice. It's a stressful situation. I forgot he was the fucking mayor. Uh, when Kelowna rises, Zoe's calling like her loved ones. So she calls Heath to warn him that he needs to get underground. And then she tries to call her mom and her step loser to let them know that they need to hide. Um, but not her brother and her sister because we don't ever talk about them. Um, but she calls and the voicemail that her mom and step loser has is this is the heifer residence we love and fear the lord and wished you and wish you a blessed day leave us a message amen on that note i'm going to share this because i forgot to tell savannah this <laughs> but my mom uh is staying with our friend romy while she's up here in washington romy is black and they were outside um they were outside hanging out and these two girls come up to them and are looking directly at Romy and they were like you know we just really wanted to let you know that like we love you and we care for you and we feel like in times like these like we really need to to let you know that you're loved and appreciated and my mom was like oh thank you because Romy wasn't yeah. really saying anything because obviously a very right. very uncomfortable situation <laughs> And they were like, yeah, we hope you guys have a great day. Like, blessed day. See you guys later. <laughs> Is this the Handmaid's Tale? Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> day may meet. I love Under his when eye. People, I love when people try so hard to not be racist that they are, in fact, racist. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, what a fun kind of events. <laughs> At the very end, we're on, like, the second to last page, and Zoe's giving her inspirational final speech, and she's like, but we have something they'll never have. We have love and truth and each other. Like, Zoe, when have you ever told the truth to anyone? You lie all the fucking time. We have insta-love and half-truths and a few people. <laughs> like, I'd rather have murder birds, but okay. <laughs> um, final thoughts. Wow. That was a lot. We always only get two pages of action at the very end compared to the entire emotional internal battle that Zoe is having <laughs> with, 
with her boyfriends and friends and homophobia. And I just would like more of the action. That's all. I don't know what to say. Like, I still really enjoy these books. Are they good? Fuck no. Like, would I necessarily recommend them to people? Absolutely not. (laughs) Am I enjoying myself every time we read these books? Yes. Absolutely yes. I do feel like they kind of uh, painted themselves into a corner a little bit with how dated these feel because they keep doing all of these pop culture references Mm -hmm. that, like, definitely date the books. So I don't... I don't know. I feel like pop culture references in books are really hard to pull off in general because you do run the risk of dating yourself, but I don't know what else to say, man. Like, they're they're so bad for so many reasons, but, like, gotta love it, you know? (laughs) We did want to give a quick thank you to everyone that has participated with our... um, bonus episode thing that we have going on if you donate to a charity or a nonprofit that is based in equality racial equality or lgbtq rights whatever it is um if you give any sort of donation forward us your receipts and we will send you access to um my spicy vampire snippet that i turned in for a college assignment and talked about with my peers and it was very bad <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah i mean you guys are awesome we We've had some, we had some people donate and that meant a lot to us. So thank you for doing that. Again, there's no time limit. So whenever you're able to donate, please do. And then we'll send you that episode. Yep. We just want you to know that we uh, support you. We support, we support Pride Month. We support Black Lives Matter. Um, for this week's book recommendation, um, I wanted to recommend The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. Um, it parallels a lot with what's going on in the world right now it is about star who is our main character and she witnesses her best friend khalil get murdered by a police officer um in front of her so she's having this inner conflict on whether or not she's going to speak out against what she saw like publicly like put her face in the papers that type of thing um she also has some conflict with her um white friends and she has some conflict she she's dating um a boy who is white and it's just it addresses a lot of really important issues and it's a really hard read and i cried a lot reading it um but i strongly recommend that book it is so good um and we've also posted a list of some books that were written by black authors surrounding issues of race on our Instagram. For non-book rec, two options. Um, so there's a new documentary out on Netflix about the death and life of Marsha P. Johnson, um, who was one of the first trans women to uh, participate in Stonewall. So it's just about her activism and her life, especially with it being Pride Month. I mean, Pride was started by trans women of color, and so tons of overlap with everything that's going on right now. But obviously, there have been a lot of heavy topics and a lot of heavy posts, and if you're getting tired and you would like to take a fun break, uh, Queer Eye has a new season out that hasn't been promoted by Netflix at all, nearly as much as some of the other new shows coming out, so please go give it some attention. Um, it's just wholesome. Um, these five wholesome gay men going around and, well, five wholesome members of the LGBTQ community... Um, I know Jonathan Van Ness, for example, identifies as non-binary, um, but they just go around and they help give people makeovers. Um, and with that, follow us on Instagram at Worst Thing We Read. Follow us on Twitter at Worst T-H-N-G We Read. And send us an email at WorstThingWeRead at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Goodreads. We will leave that down in the description below. And with that, we will see you next week. Not with our eyes, but with our but mouths. With our mouths. <laughs>